Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Development Hell. Okay, so what you're about to hear now is a re-release or remaster of one of my very first episodes. Uh, you're going to be able to hear us a lot better than you could in the earlier days. The audio is still not literally perfect, and it's not as good as um, our newer releases. But I couldn't just let this one sit around collecting dust, because it's such a fun one. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Halloween 3D, which was going to be the third in the Rob Zombie line of Halloween movies. Although Twist, it was going to be made by different filmmakers. We're going to be joined by Emily Gagne, a frequent collaborator. And I really hope you enjoy this remastered episode about Halloween 3D. <laughs> For every horror title to hit VOD, there are countless others that end up D.O.A. Development Hell is a podcast dedicated to unearthing these plagued horror productions to find out what went wrong and if they still got a shot at the green light. My name is Josh Coringa, and I am your host. I am a filmmaker located in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is brought to you by the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad. Today... We have a very special visitor slash guest, Emily Gagne. I have known her, I think, 20-something years. She is my frequent collaborator. She directed a film with me last year, one of my best friends. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. H2O, 20 years later, it oh. all comes around. Oh my God, blood is thicker than water. <laughs> Literally, it really is. Especially fake blood. Oh, yeah. Or, or corn syrup. I feel like that stuff is viscous. Emily, Emily, who are you? What do you do? What's your, what's your childhood trauma? That is, that's a heavy question. Not even the childhood trauma part, but like just who am I? Like, you know, I'm, I'm an existential person. So I don't know. I do a lot of stuff. I mean, I've made, I've made a film with you, which is called Best Friends Forever, which you probably have mentioned on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm a writer and uh, sometimes I write creative stuff like I have with you, but also sometimes I write about uh, horror movies. Like I have a column on final girl fashion and I talk about final girls and their costumes. So like, for example, I have I haven't written about Laurie Strode, but at some point I probably will because she's iconic. But like recently I wrote about Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors and like what her costumes say about her character development. So and also I have I have a couple of podcasts, one of which is called We Really Like Her, and it's about women in film. I did want to say that we have an episode about Halloween H2O that you could <gasps> To if you wanted to, and Alex West from Faculty of Horrors on it, if that's of interest. So how would you describe our personal history, you and me? Our connective tissue, so Ooh. to speak, is horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of horror movies, every horror fan, as you and I are horror fans, have their 
franchise. Have the franchise that is their franchise. No one else can have it. This is for me. And I think what we're going to be talking about today is your franchise. We're going into the horror movie that was never made, Halloween 3D. So this was going to be coming out around the time of the Rob Zombie era of Halloween films. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 came out in 2009. Emily, is this your franchise? I would say yes. I think like Halloween, the original from 1978, is Mm. like my number one movie. That has a lot to do with it. But also I think there's like a few entries in the, the Halloween series that I really like. And in some ways, like Michael Myers at certain points in the series is like one of the scarier horror villains mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. As we'll probably talk about, there are some ways that his narrative gets changed that make him less scary. And I mean, that happens with, as we know, with like so many of our horror villains, like, mm-hmm. you know, Freddy becomes a pun master over time, opposed to like a silent force. Jason becomes this like big hulking guy that you can't defeat. And Michael sort of has a similar journey to Jason in that way. But I like Michael Myers because I think he's simple scary. What what I mean by that is like, he feels like a real threat, a man in a mask. It's like not like an, a supernatural thing. It's just this guy. And he's not a big guy. He's kind of like a normal sized guy. He just goes, picks a mask up at the store, a jumpsuit up at a gas station, you know, like, and then he just kills people. And I think like that's scarier than like the supernatural element. Creatively, we think about suburban horror. And I think he just kind of invented it. This invented that feeling that, you know, everyone in our social circles felt when they were 14 in the suburbs walking home and it was a little too quiet and nothing was going to happen. But if it did, like, I think we'd all be kind of out of luck. And it's that spookiness that I think they really captured for the first time with Halloween. Yeah, like it's like that moment when Laurie like is like knocking on doors and nobody wants to answer. Yeah, I I was just watching the first one with my friend Samantha. And during that scene, she went, nobody would answer their door. Of course someone would answer their door. And I was like, I don't know if they would. 1978 Haddonfield, Illinois question mark. Maybe they would, but I I think that person might shut off their light. Like I kind of buy it. Yeah, well, it's like, do you want to get yourself into that that mess, you know? If it is a real person screaming for help, like, you'll have to deal with that. And if it's yeah. not, what do they want? Today, we're talking about Halloween 3D, a movie that never happened. And to give you guys a quick overhaul of how we're going to lay out this episode. First, we're going to give you guys sort of a preliminary sense of what Halloween 3D was all about. Then Emily is going to sort of walk us through the Rob Zombie era of the Halloween movies. I'm going to get in depth on some of the other failed Halloween projects over the years. Emily is going to talk about Halloween 3D. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about Halloween Returns, which was the original recalibration or reboot that happened before Bloomhouse came and took over. I'm going to start us off. Halloween 3D, right after Rob Zombie's two-film run with Halloween at Dimension, a third film sort of started to occur. Rob Zombie was very clear after the second film that he would not be returning for a third film. And even though it wasn't a huge financial success, the franchise is a money-making machine and Dimension wanted to pump out a third movie. Also, without Rob Zombie around, it was sort of their chance to maybe adjust the tone that had really gone off kilter, according to a lot of critics and fans over the first two Rob Zombie films. So they kind of had the chance to start fresh with this third film. So what did they do? They approached Patrick Lussier and Todd Farmer. Patrick Lussier was actually Wes Craven's protege back in the 90s. He was an editor for Wes on New Nightmare, on Vampire in Brooklyn, Scream, Scream 2, Music of the Heart, Scream 3, Red Eye, and even Cursed. Uh, He was the editor on Halloween H2O, so he'd already been dipping around the Halloween franchise earlier. And it wasn't until the classic Dracula 2000 where Patrick would really first start directing in Hollywood. Emily, what is your 
relationship with Dracula 2000. I remember seeing Dracula 2000 in theaters with, oh. my, with my dad. And I, I distinctly remember my dad covering my eyes at some point, which is, <laughs> which is something he started doing when I was like in my like tweens because I feel like he was like uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. dad, dad, just don't take me to these movies if you don't want to experience. Was it because of like boobs or was it because of gore? Yeah, definitely from boobs. Because, like, the thing is, and, and this is why I think we became horror fans at such a young age, is, like, we were allowed to watch horror movies. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like when it came to sexy stuff, my dad was, like, less okay with it. You know? He was, like, I remember he also covered my eyes on American Pie, too. So oh, like that was that. a big one for us, too. It's funny. My, I had the same situation with my mom and my dad. Yeah, my dad didn't, like me watching sex but my mom didn't like me watching violence i got to sort of do one with one and one with the other anyway so you saw it in theaters do you remember liking it i don't have a lot of memory of it but i okay. actually was considering re-watching it recently because my coworker like watched it for like his movie club and he said like it was actually much better than he expected and he liked it so i was like uh-huh. i was like, okay maybe That's i need funny. to reconsider i don't know i'm a fan okay i liked it back then and i i actually am a fan of the director video sequels that spawned dracula 2 ascension and dracula 3 legacy you'd think that these would be garbage little movies um, but they were all written and directed by Patrick Lucier himself. So, you know, there was still a sense of keeping it real and keeping it to what his original vision. Mm-hmm. This was also around the time where Wes Craven Presents was becoming a bit of a moniker popular in Hollywood, where they would just slap that on base, uh, a lot of different horror movies to sort of help sell it. They did this with the Dracula series, and they also did this with a movie, a little-known movie called They. Drink this. Okay, take a few deep breaths. You'll be asleep soon. Sleep? I'm not gonna go to sleep. Honey, you need to go to sleep. I can't go to sleep! What happens in your dreams? They come for me. Who comes? They. I saw that it was on Shudder, I believe. Okay. It's on my list of movies to watch that I haven't watched. I have a list of horror movies that I haven't seen because I, you know how it goes. Sometimes you like to rewatch the same movies. I've seen Halloween H2O countless times. Did I need to rewatch it again this year? Maybe not, but I did anyways. <laughs> Anyways, they is a movie that you have talked to me yeah, about many times, it. and I and I do want to watch it. I do. I don't know how that one got through my fingers. Like I'm like I mm-hmm. like I I can't really understand because I've it wasn't seen in theaters so many long. Of them. Okay, it, it, it wasn't. It's so weird. It was like a very early two thousands moment along the lines of Darkness Falls, like weird Hollywood CGI movies that didn't last very long and were very strange. That's about the time where Patrick and Todd began working together. They did the horror remake My Bloody Valentine 3D, as well as the action-adventure Drive Angry. Uh, It was at this time, around My Bloody Valentine 3D, that they were noticed by Dimension Films because Dimension Films wanted to make their own 3D slasher film with Halloween. And there weren't a lot of people in Hollywood that sort of had that pedigree or that on their resume, except for these two. So it kind of just made sense. Unfortunately, it was never to be. They were working on this for quite a while. Eventually, Dimension Films handed them another property, Hellraiser, and focused their attention from Halloween to that. Both projects are still, I guess in a sense, trapped in development hell. All right, so I would say that is the basic rundown for Halloween 3D. M, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Rob Zombie era of Halloween and sort of how that got us into the Halloween 3D era? Well, so I guess Rob Zombie sort of came into the Halloween picture like officially in, in 2006 when it was announced that he was going to be making a remake of Halloween for Dimension. And it made sense because he'd had success with the Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. And uh, they're both really good movies. Give this guy Halloween. Like it was a mistake in retrospect, like a, a terrible decision. But I, I can see why it happened. 
both of those movies are very different. So I think like he shows a lot of like ability to do different styles. House of a Thousand Corpses is very like over the top, crazy colors, really gory. Devil's Rejects is too, but it's more realism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always like, we, we had a conversation about this recently. I feel like it's like Texas Chainsaw 2 <laughs> first and then Texas Chainsaw after. So accurate. Because I just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 for the first time. You made these parallels and they're so accurate where Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 feels so much like the dirty road movie of uh, The Devil's Rejects. But the second one is such an evil carnival. Like if you can feel the inspo sort of slathered on both. Yeah, and like even like he cast Bill Mosley from Texas Chainsaw 2 as uh-huh. like, you know part of that group. So mm-hmm. I feel like I think Toby Hooper is an inspiration for Rob Zombie for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, maybe more than like a John Carpenter, which is yeah. why why I think the styles are are so different. It made sense that at this time that they would want to do a remake of Halloween because remakes were really hot. Like there was the, te- speaking of Texas Chainsaw, there was a Texas Chainsaw remake. This is the era where you had House of Wax and you mm-hmm. had, well, we just mm-hmm. mentioned after the fact, like My Bloody Valentine 3D. Like mm-hmm. it's that whole speech from Scream 4 when <laughs> yeah. she's naming all the remakes. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and Halloween being such an iconic like horror property, you know, why wouldn't they want to do it? And he said that it was going to be sort of like a prequel and a remake, which is always a confusing thing where you're like, where is this going? Yeah, yeah. I feel like because they didn't, they didn't have the vocabulary of the reboot yet. I wouldn't say it's a prequel. Like Hmm. the movie made a lot of money. It like really did well at the box office. How much did it do? It made 80 million on a 15 million dollar budget. So like it, like it was a success at the box office but critics were kind of mixed on it and I'm not surprised because like I was mixed on it and I know we were mixed on it when we saw it in theater I just rewatched it for the first time since we saw it in theaters like that's how much I did not like it because like I've said I've watched Halloween H2O many times but I only watched that movie once because partially because I have such a connection to the original Halloween where I like I went in with expectations And those definitely colored my opinion of it. But in the rewatch, like I went in this past week to rewatch it with like trying to be very open and being like, you know what? Maybe there's something to love here. Maybe I'm going to be turned around on it. And I think there are little things that I like about it. But as a whole, I feel like it's it's a bit of a mess. And there's like Uh things that I really dislike about it. Yeah, it misses the mark for sure. I get making a project your own, but when it just super doesn't work in tone, like, just don't do it. You know, going back to what I said earlier about Michael Myers as a character, I think, like, what I like so much about him in the first movie especially, that he's very simple. Like, he's just this, like, evil person. And I think, you know, in this in this remake, reboot, sequel, prequel, whatever, he is given a backstory and he's he's sort of given um I guess the benefit of the doubt to be like he grew up in a shitty household. Um, can I swear? Yeah, oh yeah, please do. <laughs> he grew up in a shitty household and so he was driven to kill. And, you know, I know that that is a reality for a lot of serial killers, but I think like, to to me, it took away the scariness of that character and like him having the devil's eyes, just being this like the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, you know, that was missing for me. It's like, it was like more of this, this guy that felt that he needed to take like revenge as yeah. opposed to unnatural urge to kill. Yeah, which was so much spookier. I This would work for Leatherface. This would have worked for Jason, but this does not work for Michael. It takes away the only thing that makes him scary. Yeah, yeah, because he's not doing one-liners and things like that that, like, add to his character. He's just this mysterious guy, and I think taking away the mystery is what didn't work for me. But obviously, yeah. that's that's what Rob Zombie was fascinated with, and that's mm-hmm. what he ran with, not only with his first movie, but with his set Halloween 2 as well. Like, he really went into the backstory of, you know, Michael and Laurie. Do you think this franchise would benefit from conscious camp? Do you think like a, a Jason like a Jason Lives installment would work for for Halloween? My impulse is no. 
but I love that kind of sequel. And I think like for Jason, it works really well. Like yeah. I think it's perfect for him. And like, this is not, I don't, I'm not hate on Jason, but like Jason doesn't have a personality. So he's easy to, to meld. And I think obviously Michael doesn't have a crazy personality either, but I, I just, there's this like empathy that's baked into Jason from the beginning of the series. Whereas like trying to change who Michael is intrinsically is like, problematic and it gets complicated and um i want to be i want to be scared you know like and i i think my memory of watching the first halloween like 1978 is like i was really really scared and when i watched halloween rob zombies halloween like i'm not scared i'm grossed out like there's definitely some like crazy kills that part i like i kind of I don't want to say enjoy, but like I yeah, respect in some way. Yeah, yeah. He definitely can do some shocking kills, but I it's not scary. It's just gross. It's you so know? gross. And it's like it's just like it's like unpleasant. It's mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That that's how that's how I feel about it. But I know the second movie has some fans and the and the second movie was less of a commercial success and was also not critically liked i will say i haven't watched that one since i saw it the first time as well but what i do remember at least about that one is like i felt like he was like trying something completely different like 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 and in that way, I kind of respect it as opposed to the this first one is very much like a lot of the same notes are being hit, but in his style. And it kind of, I'm just like, why does this need to exist? At least with the second one, I'm like, I don't like where this is going, but at least it's trying to do something that he, yeah. imag- that he imagined. Like he was like, I'm interested in what like would Laurie become like murderous as well. As you might know, I am a little bit obsessed with, I, and help me with the pronunciations. Please, you say those names. Try those names. Julianne Mori and Alexandra Bustio. So they were uh, originally tapped to do the second Halloween in the new canon. Uh, Dimension Films acquired both of their previous efforts, Inside and Livid, for American distribution, and these were pretty grisly little movies. Emily and I saw Livid at the Toronto Film Festival, I'm going to say around 2011, and it had a huge impact on me. And I know it's not exactly well-reviewed or even that well-loved, but there was just something about the mood or the vibe that, like, ooh, like really clicked with me. And I would, I really, would really recommend it. It's sort of like a vampire ballet haunted house French moment. It's very beautiful. But you know what's interesting is, like, that movie is set on Halloween night. So I feel like that would have been an interesting, like, mm-hmm. test, a little bit of a test. Obviously, completely different than Halloween in yeah. terms of it's that, that this is, like, more, that's more supernatural. But there's still, like, a horror element in, 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 that, um, in that season. So I feel like that could, like, give them an entry point to possibly doing Halloween. For sure. It's funny that you say that because one of the reasons that Dimension took the project away from them was that the the tone just wasn't working. And I'm sorry if this is racist, but it's something that I like to talk about a lot is that Europeans doesn't fully grasp the tone of Halloween in the right way. Like I always like to um, reference the song Halloween by Aqua, where like I feel like a lot of people, especially in Europe, they'll like associate Halloween with like scary slasher movies and stuff like that rather than the mm, nostalgic ooky ooky autumnal vibe that we sort of get in north america so i kind of think that's one of the reasons this didn't work really for dimension and ultimately at the end of the day rob zombie did come back and he wrote and he directed the second installment as Emily said, didn't do great and was not um, received that well by critics. You kind of said it already, but overall, how do you feel about these films? How do they stack up? I don't think that I would rewatch them again. And to, to me, they like exist in a separate canon than the original Halloween. Well, they literally do, but like I, I don't consider them like entries in the series. Like if we were, you know, sometimes you and I like to rank entries in a series. Like to me, they, they exist separately and I couldn't even compare them personally to the, like the original, even some of the ones that I don't like as much, yep. which we'll get into but i don't think that they work as halloween movies i like i bet you i would like them if they weren't in the halloween universe but i 
I think because they take those characters and they don't don't work in the ways that you know I think they work so well originally it just it doesn't work for me like and Laurie especially like we've talked a lot about Michael but Laurie as a character is is one that I that I do really love and I think like her fire and her like anything that's interesting about her is like taken away Mm -hmm. especially in the first of Rob Zombie's Halloween movies the second one obviously he's giving her more depth but the way that he takes her I like find like a little bit offensive like I'm just like like why does she have to kill too like why can't she just be damaged by this and not be drawn to also kill Mm -hmm. like like you know, I, I think, like, part of the reason I'm drawn to horror in the first place as a woman is, like, the idea of, like, exploring the, like, survivor's experience. I don't know if it's, like, that realistic to think that she's going to turn into a killer after this. I think it's more realistic to be, like, she's going to go into hiding and avoid men or something like that because yeah. that's that's what would happen for a real woman. And, of course, every woman is different, but I it, it doesn't feel rooted in reality. And I guess that's the thing is that Rob Zombie is not necessarily rooted in reality. And I think that to me, that's the part of Halloween that works is that there's a little bit of reality still in there. Baked Absolutely. In there. I agree with that fully. They just don't, they just don't hit the mark. You know, tonally, they're incorrect. Um, they feel disrespectful kind of to the franchise a little bit. And they are just not for me. And what are you going to do? Although I do like to troll people and say that I like the second one more than the first which could be true, but I really don't have a lot to back it up. On my rewatch, I would say I probably would have liked two more. Um, Like I said, I think it's doing some different stuff. The first one is just, I will say also, there's some just offensive stuff in these, these, these scripts that like I can't get past. You know, like, I'm happy that the, like, horrible, like, homophobic, transphobic stepdad gets killed by, like, little Michael in the beginning of of Rob Zombie's Halloween, but still, that character exists, says all this horrible stuff, and there's all this stuff of, like, these teenage girls, like, like, coming on to each other in a very, like, male gazy way. Obviously, I'm... I'm totally here for queerness, but it's not queerness. It's just like girls like humping each other, like dry humping each other because mm-hmm. that's hot. It's not giving me like genuine queerness. If it if it did, I would probably be much more interested in this movie. But I would be doesn't. so shocked. It would be like the most radical rising thing if it did. Also, you know, something that I wanted to bring up in general about the Halloween series and that I think is a good like point to jump off with Rob Zombie is that like, I think a big part of the success of like the first Halloween movie and even Halloween the first Halloween 2 is like the involvement of Deborah Hill like she wrote those scripts with John Carpenter so I think that those female characters feel a little bit more realistic and a little bit more genuine to the like female experience because there's a woman behind them and I think the problem with so many of these other Halloween sequels is that there's no women involved and so like the 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 female characters these like survivors or final girls whether it's Lori or like her daughter Jamie they don't have the same weight and realism that Lori did in the first and and Annie and all of the girls in the first Halloween did like even if like they weren't perfect characters but they did feel like real characters absolutely you could tell there was a there was like a, a woman on set making sure that they sounded like real people yeah yeah and so I think that that's missing from Rob Zombie's versions, and I think is definitely missing in this Halloween. Oh, 3D. yeah. The Halloween 3D s- <laughs> script, which we're going to talk about, which is so lucky for everybody at home because you're never going to get to see it on the big screen. Although, uh, spoiler alert, I do kind of wish I could have seen it. It does sound like something I would have watched more than once. So, before we head into talking about Halloween 3D in heavier detail, I'm going to sort of quickly run us through some other failed Halloween projects that never really uh, materialized over the years. So quickly, Halloween 2, which I am really excited about, was originally supposed to be set in a high-rise apartment building and shot in 3D. So this was like the original Halloween 2 from 1981. There was an alternative pitch for Halloween 4 that had Michael return to all of the characters that got away in the first two, Tommy, Lindsay. So it was going to be heavily supernatural and cerebral. And at the end of the film, the shape was going to have the ability to to actually like shift sizes and turn into a 12 foot tall behemoth 
and do all sorts of crazy, wacky stuff. But the studio thought this was just too bizarro and cerebral and this kind of got highboshed. Would have loved to see that. Don't even know what that means exactly. Uh, there was an alternative sixth film originally to, called Halloween 666, The Origin. Incredible nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that would have featured a new female lead, a reporter come to Haddonfield by the name of Dana, which gives me Emily vibes, kind of. Wow, thank you. You're welcome, Dana. Michael almost went into outer space at one point, and rumor had it that John Carpenter came up with this idea. So The Revenge of Laurie Strode was the original title for Halloween 7, which, of course, ended up being Halloween H2O. Emily and I were just talking about how Halloween, The Revenge of Laurie Strode is just like the perfect name for a Halloween movie. And then at the end of the day, what do they go with? They go with H2O. It's one of the worst titles, and, like, I totally respect anyone that makes fun of the fact that it's called that. Like, I remember watching an interview with, like, I think it was David Letterman was interviewing Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is, like, the, like, Drew Barrymore of Halloween H2O. Right. He, like, yeah. is, is in the the top billing, but he dies right away. And Dave was, like, giving him a hard time being, like, being, like, H2O, like, water? Like, is there underwater adventures? Like, what's, <laughs> the, what's the deal, you know? Um, <laughs> but, like, so it's such a weird title, but The Revenge of Laurie Strode, I mean, like, that is what the movie is. That is. is that is the actual journey of the movie. So, and it would follow the pattern of the other sequels, like titles, the, yes. the Return of Michael Myers and... The um, Revenge of Michael Myers, which was number yeah. five? Yeah. yeah, and so, like, I think it would have been perfect, but, like, perhaps, I don't, like, do you know more about the reasoning why they, like, didn't go with that title? Did no idea at all, but my theory is... Um, someone posted a screenshot of the H2O DVD menu recently and it doesn't even say Halloween, it just says H2O and it's in black and white and it looks so much like a thriller. So I do get the sense that Hollywood was trying to like sort of market this as a sexy scream-like thriller. And I think that's sort of where that weird title sort of came in from. It sounds like someone non-creative in a suit came up with it for sure. I also have a a theory that... um... We know so much about, like, these, like, horror villains, like Michael, Freddy, Jason, whatever, but, like, outside of the horror community, like, the final girls are not always as, like, name recognizable. Like, obviously, like, Ellen Ripley is, -hmm. like, somebody that people know, but, like, does everyone, maybe more now that there's, like, these new Halloween movies, but does everyone know Laurie Strode as a name? That's such a good point. They wouldn't. Especially since we know that, like she wasn't in those other sequels that people might have seen like four five and six like mm-hmm. she was mentioned but she's not she's not really there yeah she's absolutely not. she wasn't sort of around um there was some bullshit called halloween 3000 a 2000 uh, sequel to halloween 2 which should have happened there was a michaelmyers.com <laughs> supposedly in the works in, about a webcast streaming live from the myers house uh, if it sounds familiar it's because this plot evolved into Halloween Resurrection. There was a Michael Myers versus Pinhead at one point that was on the fast track after the success of Freddy versus Jason. So if anyone out there that's listening, including my mom, wants to hear an episode about Michael versus Pinhead, um, please at me at Devil Hell Pod. That's D-E-V-E-L Hell Pod. Okay, lastly, before we get into the Halloween 3D details, uh, Michael Bay and Platinum Dunes of course, had an animated pitch ready for Halloween. So these are the guys that were rebooting or remaking every single classic franchise, starting with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Amityville Horror, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Really, all of they had all of them, basically. But Halloween, which uh, Dimension was holding on to for dear life until around 2015, when they were working on something called Halloween returns which we're going to get into a little bit later so em why don't you tell us a little bit more about the details of halloween 3d before um patrick lucier like took over alexandra asha was in talks to uh do it and as well as steve minor and steve minor did halloween h2o as we said earlier my bloody valentine 3d did well so they went with Patrick and Alex uh, Farmer because they they wanted this like 3D Halloween moment, which like I respect. Honestly, kind of liked my Bloody Valentine 3D. Like I like hmm. I don't I don't Same. love it, but but I enjoyed it, and I I do like a 3D moment. The idea in 2010 when this was 
in conversation was that it was going to be an extension of the Rob Zombie universe. And it was going to kind of turn the franchise back to its origins. If you remember, the end of Halloween 2 mm-hmm. is sort of like, Laurie is sort of, I guess, locked up for, for, or she's like caught in the situation where it seems that she might have killed Dr. Loomis. Yeah. Is sort of planting the seed for Laurie to possibly become more of a murderous, even helper to Michael, like uh-huh. per, perhaps collaborating with Michael. So their idea was sort of to like continue that. And then I guess filming was like pretty close to happening. You know, they were there was like five weeks to camera and then Dimension scrapped it because of budget issues, whatever that means. What I mean, does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure shooting in 3D is, is budgetary and who knows, like I'm kind of interested in like who the cast would have been i know we do know that like tom atkins was going to play a character and tom atkins was from halloween 3 season of the witch which is its own entity in the (laughs) halloween series but he but because it's separate from the like michael myers timeline they were going to bring him as like sort of a stunt casting which is actually something that i think that rob zombie does do successfully in Uh his movies is the stunt casting like i love brad duriff as like Annie's dad, like Sheriff Brackett. Oh, it's I think so that's good. A, that's a great casting. I think Malcolm McDowell as Loomis is actually really good too. But so I think Tom Atkins would have been fun. He would have been this like psychiatrist character and he in that script has like a kind of like fun death that involves a fish tank. <laughs> and then th- they were going to like slowly do away with sort of the Rob Zombie stuff including rob zombie's mask that he had for michael like they were gonna there's 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 a scene of him going to like a pharmacy like michael does in the original to pick out a new mask basically and he like in the script he like kills the like the person working at the store or whatever so they were really like working towards integrating rob zombie stuff but also doing away with it which is like quite a move they had also tapped lucier at that at that time to sort of look at hellraiser which is very interesting there's like this hellraiser halloween sort of like parallel yeah mm-hmm. neither that project the the hellraiser project that he was developing and and halloween 3d ever came to be but uh he did make a movie called trick which i actually don't know that i had seen the trailer for until we were doing research for this and then I watched the trailer and it's literally about this person that like kills people on a Halloween night and it's yeah. famous for it and then it comes back and kills again on Halloween so it's very much in the same vein as Halloween but even uh to this day like uh, a festival that we were in Panic Fest uh-huh. they actually did a reading of Halloween 3D the script at I think last January and uh, so that that was a minute we were we were considering going to Panic Fest. It didn't end up working out, which mm-hmm. on reflection, we probably should have gone because we <laughs> wouldn't have been able to travel very much uh, the rest After of that. Yeah. Um, and we didn't get to go to that reading, which I, I don't know how I would have felt to hear some of this. We didn't need to go to a live event for it. It's pretty it's pretty um, offensive. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah, t- tell me if you would like, would you want to watch a scene? Well, you know what? I'm not going to even ask the question. I was going to say, would you want to watch a scene of like, there's just like a bunch of naked girls running down a corridor. Like if it was like a bunch of naked dudes running down. Yeah, a I would. I'd watch that. Well, that's porn, I guess. Doing something like that to men on camera doesn't have the same weight and issues. Well, it doesn't happen. So it's almost exciting when it does. Uh-huh. Whereas like that, the women being naked for such a significant time of their screen time is so... It's Ugh. just so cliche. Aside yeah. from the fact that I find it offensive, it's just like it's cliche. It's so boring. Like, do something else. If you if people have to take clo- their clothes off in your movie to make it interesting, then it's not a very good movie. As well, I agree. I think your movie should already be interesting, and then the nudity should just sort of heighten it like salt. I'm going to sort of wrap us up on something called Halloween Returns, which was a natural evolution that Halloween 3D sort of uh, turned into. So in 2010, all talks about this Halloween 3D came to a screeching halt. Patrick and Todd went on to other projects and the Halloween franchise went nearly 10 years before another film was going to be released. But in 2015, this changed. Dimension Films hired Saw writers, or Saw 6 forward writers, to rethink the franchise. So this is Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan. 
Helen Returns was supposed to be, unquote, a recalibration of the Halloween series and was ultimately what we got later on in life when Bloomhouse took over the reins and gave us a sort of reboot sequel in 2018. Halloween Returns, though, this 2015 variation of the project was really close to happening. And Patrick Melton, Marcus Dunstan, with Dunstan attached to direct, was just a couple weeks away from camera before I believe Dimension lost the rights to the series. Now you'd think they'd have a stronger sense of scheduling when it comes to that. So maybe they scrapped it and then quickly lost the rights. But this was close to them. If they weren't going to strike, the the rights to the series were going to be up for grabs. And that's what happened. That's how Bluehouse and Universal got a hold of it. Instead, of course, we got Halloween 2018. We have our feelings on it. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. The last thing me and Emma are going to do for you today, which I think is kind of fun, is we're going to walk you through a little bit what happened in this Halloween 3D script by uh, Lucier and Farmer, which is available online on Reddit if you aren't uh, at all interested. So, Em, we're going to, why don't we go through this together? Very start of this of this film, it starts with Lori at the shed at the end of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, as Emily was talking about. And Lori is shown killing Dr. Loomis instead of Michael Myers. It seems like she secretly knows that this is what she did. And we're hinting at the fact that she's evil now. And is she going to be the new Michael Myers? And is she going to sort of succeed him? We're confused. Sheriff Brackett then picks up Lori when Michael shows up. Stops the car, reaches out for Lori, and takes her with him. They've teamed up now. Is that sort of how you see it, Em? Yeah, like it seemed like... You know, there's sort of this talk of, like, he sort of takes everything from her. Like, all, like, her whole family is gone except for him. So, like, it leaves her with no other option. This is a classic abuser situation. Uh Leaves her with no other option except for him. So, she, like, feels a kinship. And so that, what, what ends up happening after that is they end up going to the site of like their their mother like deborah myers grave um because like that's an that is another thing that i think is more focused upon in the rob zombie halloweens is like this like the mother character of deborah who's like this one person who does believe in michael and like seems to support michael so like he still has a place in his heart for her and and obviously we've the Lori character has just recently learned that she's not actually Lori Strode. Her name is Angel Myers. Oh my God, right. Angel Myers. That's like, that's such a like Rob Zombie name, Angel Myers. It'd be a good drag queen name. Yes, it would be. It would be, it would be very good, actually. That, <laughs> yeah. That's one to keep in the books. Um, but yeah, so, so she's just learned that. So I think like, like, it, it's like, you know, if you learn that you're adopted for the first time and you're like, oh shit, like, like. Identity is crumbled. Yeah. Right. So I think she's like, I'm going to learn more. So she goes to the, to the grave site with Michael and they like, basically are like digging up Deborah, And then this group of like, other new characters comes in. Right. I also want to say that from this point on, Michael is carrying around the corpse of his dead mom for like a good portion of this script, uh, which I'm not mad at because it's outrageous. It's like almost John Waters-y. I would like to see the John Waters take on the Halloween. Oh my God. That's one I'm waiting to see. At least it wouldn't be like fat phobic. In fact, it would be fat positive. Oh, it would be so fat positive. (laughs) And it would be like queer. It would just be like everything that I'm missing from the Halloween franchise. John Waters could bring John. Let's talk. Um, He would would not touch that with a 10 foot pole. So you were saying we're going to meet sort of our new leads at this point? Yes. So there's a new group of kids. You meet them like in a in I think a basement and basically the first thing we see of these new kids is these two girls making out and you're like okay so but but these characters are teens and there's these two girls that are making out one of them is supposed to be like in like a more emo girl and then there's this girl Amy who is gonna like be the new heroine of of this movie at least and uh they're making out in front of their boyfriends and it and it's meant to just be like sort of like dare or something whatever it's just it's very male gazy. And like there's a there's a hint that there might be a queerness to it. Like where like I think the Amy character is kind of like kind of into it. And like we could she says something like we should do this again sometime. But like 
at the end of the day it feels very exploitive and then there's another character that like never comes back that's like described as like i think chunky is yes, that correct? Yes. There's actually a, a, a man and a woman. There's like yes. very fat phobic couple characters that like are fucking while eating a pizza or something. Yeah. And then she's on her period and he's like, whatever, I'll fuck you anyways. He yeah. It's so grotesque. That. It's yeah. It's like the fat is the grotesque, which as a fat person, it's, uh, uh, it's a little triggering. Um, yeah. But at least yeah. they're fucking. At least we got fatties fucking and I can respect that to some degree. And as far as I know in the script anyways, like they don't die. Like we, like we don't oh, yeah. continue to follow them. We just know that they, <laughs> they're fucking. So good for them, I good guess. Good for them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy and her boyfriend and her other friend that she was just making out with, you know, casually, um, they like go to the cemetery. They're like doing some like Halloween pranks, like with eggs and, and TP and stuff like that. Classic. And they run into, who else? Oh my God, Michael. Michael, Michael and Lori. And Deborah, the corpse. I- and the corpse of who's I, who's who I would want to play in the script. To be honest, you do you know. think it would have been um, it would have been Sherry Moon Zombie? I mean, but if Rob wasn't involved, would she want to do it? The answer is yes. But also, like, what does her corpse look like after all this time? You know, would she still mm, look know. sexy like Sherry Moon Zombie? I don't know. <laughs> they meet up with Michael and Lori. There is a bit of a bloodbath there, and what is kind of a cool scene is like Amy gets locked into the coffin of Deborah mm-hmm. and and she's stuck in there with her decapitated boyfriend. So like, I think there's like a line of literally like she's choking on her boyfriend's blood or something like that. And then there's a bunch of like head cap decapitations, not just yeah, that. I think there were a three, a sum of three, 3D head decapitation moments in the script. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not like furious. No, we also meet, um, this new psychiatrist character named Josie, who yeah. is described, the one described as fucking hot, um, <laughs> and later, like, bangs another. Long story short, like, Sheriff Brackett gets away from this, like, massacre that is continuing that same night mm. with, with Michael and Lori. Oh, and he gets away by shooting the corpse of Michael's mom. The, the corpse has been, you know... Tampered with, desecrated, which is, of course, going to make Michael mad. Mm. Um, And then there's an ambulance scene where Amy has been rescued by this this cop from the like you think maybe she's going to be dead in the coffin, but Uh she's not. She's brought back. And then in the ambulance, she's like there's more people that are killed, and essentially that this section ends with Michael getting set on fire and there's like some sort of like 3D effect with his like <laughs> that his devil's eyes the de- blackest eye you know yeah um, I mean, like you zoom into the blackness of his eyes it's very funny long story short we, we assume that Michael has like died again you know, again by fire like mm-hmm. he did at the end of Halloween 2 the mm-hmm. OG Halloween and 2. I want to say Halloween Resurrection I can't confirm that because I haven't watched Halloween Resurrection in a while. <laughs> but but I believe you. And then Lori kills Sheriff Brackett. Wow. Which is sort of making you go, who is Lori? Is she Wait, really- did she do it out of evilness or was it like a mistake? I don't remember. I don't remember. Don't think it matters. Doesn't. And then- <laughs> and- the point is, this is just the start of the movie. Then we go a year later to, of course, Halloween season- and I like it actually I don't believe it goes right to ha- like October 31st I feel like it's uh-huh. like the 30th because there's this recurring bit of like these radio ads that are like right. there's a dance coming up on Halloween don't <laughs> miss it or whatever yeah and basically we find like Lori and Amy are both at this hospital yeah somehow they're in the same asylum and and Amy is about to what be checked out? And then there's this drama where where she's being released. Lori is also there, and then they have like a cat fight where there's <laughs> literally something where it says Amy kicks Lori in the cunt is something that is in the script. There's a bunch of other women or or young girls that are like at this asylum, and they all are like very caricature-y. They're like very like over the top, uh-huh. and like the mental health representation in this is very like it's. <laughs> we find out that Michael is not dead. Of course, he's still kicking after everything, and his mask is now burnt to his face. Oh, ouchie. Yep. 
like Jason sort of style. Basically, the climax is back at the asylum. We learn that there's been all these other deaths that have been like sort of linked to Michael Myers and he's back again and and he's coming for the asylum. Is he coming for Amy because he wants to finish what he started? Is he coming for Lori because he wants to have his sister back and wants to team up with her again? Like this all gets muddied because there's a bunch of stuff at the asylum. Then they go to this like Halloween dance party thing. Basically, Basically, again, we're going through these themes of like, is Lori going to be the new Michael? Like, like Amy, even who is should be mad at Lori because she was sort of part of this massacre that killed her boyfriend and friends. Amy's trying to get Lori to like come back with her and sort of the, Michael. The Lori and Amy relationship is bizarre, right? Like, yeah. is there like, there's some ro- romance element in your mind or am I inventing? I don't think that that there's a romance element. Uh-huh. I think that there was like there's like moments where they're like literally like like physically close to each other, which yeah. I don't think I think was male gazy. That's the way that mm-hmm. I read it. Anyways, mm-hmm. I don't think it. I think it was meant that they're supposed to be like you know parallels to each other and that they've both gone through this trauma. But yeah. I don't know that it's supposed to be actually like queer. But that's not. I think reason. you're absolutely right. Or maybe there's a bit of like a. Kristen Alice handoff like in Nightmare 4 where like you have both of these yeah. uh, final girls and it's sort of like handing the franchise off to this like new character. Yeah so like clearly they were trying to be like Amy is going to be the new Lori of this of the Halloween franchise um, because basically the movie ends with Lori getting killed off like she cuts off her hand because she's like um She's got, she's tied to Amy and she cuts off her hand so that she's no longer tied to Amy. And then I guess she's dying and she basically asks Michael kind of to kill her and she does, and he does. And then Michael is still on the loose at the end, which... Would it have been better than the Rob Zombie films? I'm going to say yes, yes, yes. Could it have worked out? There definitely needs to be a sensitivity reader taking a look at the script. Yeah, I feel like there's like... The, the word trauma is used many times in the script. And I I feel like this is a movie that like some of the other movies in the Halloween canon like to purport that they're talking about trauma in a genuine way. But it seems like trauma, like exploitation of trauma as, a, as opposed to exploration of trauma. And I feel like that is what this movie is. And that's what some other entries in the script. Okay. Does this project that's been stuck in development hell, does it have a shot at the green light? Could this project get made? Emily, what do you have to say? No, because I think we're too <laughs> removed from the Rob Zombie canon of mm-hmm. of Halloween. And now we're fully in this like new Bloomhouse version of, or Blumhouse version of uh of Halloween, so I feel uh-huh. like it's it's not going to happen. It, you know, what I really feel like this movie felt just from reading the script felt more actiony than horror. Like mm. there's like this horror action element that I think takes away any scariness to me. It's like it's like like I think of Michael being like an action hero, like like even like a like a predator kind of character where it's like you know he's not going to die, so like there's yeah. just crazy scenarios and yeah. that. That's not scary. If this character is, is always going to be alive or like whatever alive means in this supernatural universe of mm-hmm. Halloween, like then it's not scary because there's, there's, you're just like, oh, he's always going to live and I'm fucked, you know? It, yeah. It, yeah. The, the, the stakes are, are just so unrealistic. So mm-hmm. yeah. I agree with that fully. You know, we were talking about what makes the franchise so scary and so great. And it's that, subtle suburban very north american vibe and this couldn't be farther from that you know this is much more gritty disgusting over the top action mess and not to say that that genre or or, or those vibes don't have its place in the horror genre obviously they do they just don't have a place in the Halloween franchise. M, what do you think of Halloween 2018? So we saw Halloween 2018 at TIFF. Um, yeah, like the world premiere we saw. Um, yeah. And like, where were we? Like, who were we close to? We were like a couple rows behind Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh um, who, so it was like truly, 
exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really we, was. We were really jazzed. Like, I mean, this was like a huge <laughs> moment for us. And and I like, you know, one of the things I, I like about the franchise, as you may have figured out, is Laurie Strode. And I love Jamie Lee Curtis. So I was like really excited for her return because I love H2O. And I think like that movie like has a lot of... Um, development for Lori so I was like okay what are they going to do with Lori now and I I think I I think we knew very limited things going into it like we'd we'd you know maybe seen the the trailer but like we didn't we didn't know enough I had high expectations and I was excited and I feel like Jamie Lee was excited so that made me really excited about it I know we were both disappointed by Halloween 2018 Yep, I would agree with that. What I was most disappointed in is how many people actually liked it and how well it did. Although it's always good to see a franchise doing well in our genre because it helps the rest of us out. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan. It does. It also didn't hit the mark. Um, I think we'll always have Halloween H2O and I think Halloween 2 and even sometimes Halloween 4, 5, 6. I, I'm grateful for what we do have. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I do think like... There's a lot of narrative about sort of the, the trauma exploration in Halloween 2018. And I like, it's not to say that that's not touched upon. It, it is touched upon, but I, I think it's just touched upon. And I, I think like, I, I don't think it's, it's dealt with enough. I think the problem for, there's many things I don't like about Halloween 2018, but I think one of the things that really bothers me is how scattered it feels like there's a there's like I I feel like there's kind of like three different movies happening there's like Lori's story there's these podcasters there's uh, Lori's uh, granddaughter who's sort of like shaping up to be this new final girl and then there's like Michael himself so there's just a lot going on and I think you know what works about Halloween H2O for me is like it's like it's Michael and Lori like that's what the story is and I think like at the end of the day like that's that's what makes Halloween unique is I think like none of the other franchises like with the exception I guess of Scream which has like the final girls throughout like I feel like it's always about the horror villain whereas Mm -hmm. like in in Halloween we have this recurring female character who goes up against our villain and and has a complicated and familial relationship with this villain that enriches the story in my opinion so intimate it's intimate. It's almost romantic yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. And I think like in some ways that has been interpreted in ways that don't quite work, which is how I feel about the Rob Zombie ones. And, and mm. I, you know, they, they took out the sister element for this new Halloween 2018. And I understand why they did that. But I think the way that they went with Laurie's character, like just didn't feel, it felt like I always describe that character or that version of the character as like, sort of like a Sarah Connor. That's so real, Em. That's really good. You know, That's like... so on point in a way that is disappointingly accurate. Yeah. Like Sarah Connor in T2 and onwards. Like, it's like that sort of like, like, uh, really hardened character. And that's not to say that people that survive trauma can't get to that place. I think that that's, but maybe not to that extreme. And I think what really works about Halloween H2O is that it's realistic, like, that character is still hardened, but not in a way that feels like like detached from reality. It feels like rooted in reality where like she's hardened in the way that she won't let her son do things or go out. Not like she has a bunch of guns in her house and like has Yeah, like- so many guns. The gun stuff put a bad taste in my mouth. Although I will say the way that they're setting up Halloween kills where it's the three generation of Strode women... Um, and and no one has to be convinced that the danger is real because we just went through that. I hate that in movies where it takes like half of a film to convince. It's like how 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 many minutes do we need to devote to like convincing Judy Greer that there's actually something dangerous happening? So maybe the second film, you know, maybe it'll it'll hit the mark. Maybe it'll be lightning in a bottle. I think that that like they had potential there for sure with like. I love the idea that Lori had a daughter and they have a contentious relationship. And part of the reason they have a contentious relationship is because Lori was like kind of like, you know, had mental health problems after from that resulted from the trauma and like made her daughter learn how to do survivalist stuff. Like there, oh, cool. that could have been really interesting. But in that sense, you like, almost think she should have believed her mom or like I guess she's dealing with her own trauma from dealing with that with her mom as a child but I think like they really should have leaned into that 
like imagine a Halloween 2018 that was just the three women in the Schrode house just there and they're like hiding out for the night because that's what they do every Halloween because that's what like Uh Grandma Strode does and then Michael comes a calling and they basically have like a sort of the strangers the purge kind of situation with Michael you know I love it I love it so much put it somewhere nice and remote so it's hard for them to get out and there you have you have your movie I think that would have been really cool yeah, and to play with, like, is this real or am I imagining it? Like, th- like I think that that's what the original Halloween does really well is it's, like, is is this really happening or, like, is someone playing a trick on me, which is the whole spirit of Halloween. Are the yeah. monsters real or are they imagined? Yeah, I, I, I love that. Well, you know what? It's never too late. I think we're – it's one of these franchises that doesn't really seem to die down. Why – why, out of all the franchises, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre the one that is and that always has a new project coming out? Did you see that there's a new one? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not angry. Like, it's not the worst franchise, but like, where's Freddy? Where's Jason? Where's whatever? Where are my boys? You know, I miss my babies. Freddy's the complicated one, though, because Ugh, because Freddy is partially about the person that plays Freddy. And if it's not him, it doesn't work. I know. Well, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the worst thing about the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot was Jackie Earl Haley. Like, I, I wouldn't say that that would be the thing that didn't work about the film, other than the makeup effects. Yeah. But, but anyways, I think that's a challenge. Whereas, like, I get why Michael is something that you can play around with because he doesn't speak and he's in a full costume, not just a mask, but, like, a full outfit. But, um, but I, I think people, like, think too much about Michael Myers and should just keep a simple approach. Like I said at the beginning, he's simple, scary, and the more complicated you make him, the less scary you make him. So Um, that's genius. That's beautiful. That's gorgeous. And like I think that really hits where we need to hit. You're a filmmaker. You're talented. You're beautiful. If you were given the ability to make your own shitty director video installment of any, you know, horror franchise from the canon, what would it be? Extension of the franchise. So, like, could be a reboot, could be a... I mean, listen, you can do what you want to do. I encourage to stay in the original canon with, you know, with a number, with, like, a with with a number at the end of the title. But if you want a reboot, if you want a prequel, you do you, do you baby. Hmm. I would like, like, I think I, I just love Halloween H2O. I've obviously said it many times and mm-hmm. I feel like I like, I wouldn't mind seeing what's up with Laurie Strode as we see at the end of Halloween H2O. Cool. And, and maybe she's still haunted by Michael, but he's not real. And it's just like, she's, she's dealing with like the, like the ghost of Michael, but not actually the ghost of Michael, but he's no, no, there. I hear you. Yeah. You yeah. know, And I, like, I've always, you know, I've said this to you before, I feel like something I've always thought about is, like, a support group for, like, Final Girls or something like that, which I know has been kind of explored in lots of different texts, but I think, like... It's still very cool. To to see, like, like, uh, as a woman, I think about, like, what it's like when I'm, like, walking home alone in the dark and, like, how automatically I'm a little bit nervous and I, like, don't – if I see a man coming too close to me, I, like, will often, like, twitch sides of the street or, like, I'll, like, I'll just keep my – like, I'll turn my headphones off sometimes. I'll keep them on physically, but I will turn the volume down so that I make sure that I'm, like, ready to go. And it's, like, what would be navigating, like, a night home – like as Laurie Strode having dealt with Michael yeah. having p- killed Michael at the end of H2O, but still feeling the effects of that. Um, and also like, let's, you could bring Josh Hartnett back if you really wanted to, because Do like it. what happened to him? I want them to bring Michelle Williams back because quite frankly, I think Michelle Williams needs to be in a horror movie. Like I'm looking for Michelle Williams in a, like the others type film. Like oh where my God. is that? Finally the Oscar goes to. Right. So, so I think like Lori is like something that is, is a character that I'm really fascinated by. And I'd love to continue her story. Obviously I don't think that we'll ever 
quite happen because of, regard, no. because of what's happening. But I think I really dug what was going on in H2O. And I think I would like to see something in a similar vein. Get a woman, please, please, for the love of God, mm-hmm. like bring more women into these reboots, these sequels, these especially ones that are like driven by female characters. I just think it's, them, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly nuts. There's, I'm not saying that men can't write interesting female characters. I am saying that, you know, like I love, I love Sydney Prescott and Gail Weathers yeah, me too. who are a part of the Scream universe and they're, they're not written by, by women, but but I think like especially okay, well, gay men count. Sorry to interrupt. Well, that's that's true. There's Kevin Williamson. The Kevin Williamson effect. I mean, he was also like an early in, in early development on Halloween H two O too. So I think like, he came up with the title, The Revenge of Laurie Strode. But I could he did. Wrong. So he did. so so I think like that is what makes Halloween H two O work, even though it's not his full script. At the end of the day, I think like mm-hmm. there was like a there was a touch of respect for women you know yeah yeah yeah. and more than respect like like adoration yeah yeah and i think that that's what's missing in some of these other halloween sequels it's like like women are not taken seriously or they're turned into these like otherworldly characters whether sexually or like as like vehicles of like change and stuff and and so i i don't i don't think that that works so i would love to see like a woman come in and try a Halloween entry if if we're gonna go there at the end of the day though I really nothing will compare to when I watched Halloween H2O and saw Michael's head get chopped off like to <laughs> me that was the end of the fr- this the franchise and I agree I, remains the end of the franchise for me and I think it's like a fucking cool powerful moment and I don't think that we need to put so much stock into these like keeping these guys alive give me that new horror villain don't I don't need another Michael movie. I don't necessarily need like another Jason movie. I'll watch them. It's not to say that I don't need them, but I, I want, I want, I want something original. And like I think that that's that's what I come back to when I think of these things. Is like think about how great the original Halloween was, nineteen seventy eight, because it was its own thing. It was simple. It wasn't caught up in the lore. It was just trying to scare you, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking for. Um. You're the best. Thank you so much for talking with me about Halloween 3D today. I knew that you would have something to say because I know how passionate you are about these movies. So I really think you are the right choice. Uh, Is there anything in this world that you want to plug, be it again or for the first time? Hmm. Well, um, right now... I am just writing my my monthly column for called Final Girl Fashion. So check that out. I do it every month and it's always about a different final girl. One of the recent ones that I wrote that I'm proud of is about Crimson Peak, which is a movie that I really love and I know a lot of people love too, but like is is getting some more more love than it did when on first release. So um yeah, that was one I was really proud of. So if you want to check that out, I would love it. Otherwise, I don't really have anything else crazy to promote other than we have our movie that sometimes appears at festivals. <laughs> yes, we sure do. Okay, well, this was so fun. And for you listening at home, all I want to say is thank you for listening. If you could please do me the favor of liking, subscribing, sharing, telling your mom, all of that stuff. It really helps. And I hope that you're going to keep listening to our new episodes of Development Health.